We're going to get back into our foundation study. We've got two or three more lessons into, into our Hebrews 6 study. Uh, tonight we're going to talk about laying on of hands. So let's go back, since we hadn't read it in a while, let's go back to Hebrews 6, 1 and 2. Did everybody get the notes? Everybody gets notes? And uh, welcome everybody that's joining us on Facebook and all that. Hebrews 6, 1 and 2, it says this, Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation, here's the six foundations, of repentance from dead works, of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms, of laying on of hands, of resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. So we've covered the uh, repentance from dead works. We've talked about that. We've talked about faith towards God. Um, we'd like to really do another month or two on both of those subjects. I mean, they're certainly worthy of lots more, lots more conversation we had. Uh, we talked a little bit about baptisms. We did three or four times together on baptisms. Let's get into this idea of laying on of hands. You know, not much. I just put some statements here that I, I wrote out as I was putting my notes. So I usually just keep these in front of me, but I wrote them for you to have. and You can, you can meditate on some of this. There's not much taught in the church about this particular subject. Uh, but it is interesting that it is considered one of the foundations uh, that we need set in our lives. It's something that every believer needs to be aware of, needs to understand, and needs to be a, a participant in. Uh, this idea of laying on of hands, which we would maybe equate with praying for people and things of that nature, ministering to people, uh, it's, it's uh, one of the ways that God uses to partner with us. You know, that God supplies the goods and we oftentimes become what I call the conduit or the supply line to, be, to transport whatever God wants. You know, I don't, I don't know. If somebody needs an encouraging word, usually, I mean, angels can come and talk to them if that's the case, but that's very rare. Guess who God wants to give that encouraging word? He wants to use you as a conduit to get whatever it might be. Uh, healing, goodness of any kind, financial help, from the most practical to some of the most mystical stuff as well. God uses us as his partners. And I think of it like this. You know, the book of Revelation paints this idea that from the throne of God, there comes this river. There's a river, the river of life that flows out of the throne of God. And it's just a picture I kind of put together in my own head. I agree with it or not. Jesus said that when we receive the Holy Spirit, he said that out of our bellies would flow rivers of living water. Remember he said that in John 7, I believe it is? Out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. And John said this he spoke about the Holy Spirit who was not yet given because Jesus had not been glorified, but he has been now. So all of us as believers have the potential of having these rivers of living water. And I kind of I picture it like this. The river of life is flowing from the throne of God. It flows from the throne of God to his people. And when it hits his people, it, it wants to find tributaries and rivers of living water to go out to thirsty people all around us, to people who need help. It's just... It's just that connection between me and him to get to them. Does that make sense to you? That's, that's kind of the way I look at this. We're kind of like the supply line. God is the supplier. He has the supply, but he needs us. I say need, you know, we, we talk about God not needing anything, but he wants to use us. He really does. Uh, it seemed like maybe he could use angels a little bit better. You know, angels could preach a lot better. If a, if a, if a nine-foot angel was standing here talking to you tonight, it'd be a little bit more impressive than me, I can promise you. But that's not what he does. He uses just ordinary, good old people, and some of us not even so good, but he uses us to do his business. It's a mystery, isn't it? Well, some people think this idea, this laying on of hands, sometimes that's a little bit too much for them to interact with people, and they say things like this, if God wants me to have it, he'll just give it to me. 
Well, he can do whatever he wants to do, obviously. And, and that may work in certain situations, but, but God wants his body connected. He wants us in constant communication, and he wants us united together with each other. So he uses us. He'll use Miss Jenny to, to, to help somebody else. Could he get it through some other kind of means or even supernaturally cause it to just matter? Certainly, he can do that. You know, there's all kinds of stories in the Bible, like making an axe head swim and just all kinds of real supernatural stuff. But God's way mostly, even when it comes to supernatural stuff, is to use us as his people to get whatever he wants to other people. All right, here, here's just a little deal. It said, behold, I tell you a mystery. God oftentimes uses people, especially those in authority in the kingdom, to be a blessing to you. If your faith is just a private thing and not a corporate thing, meaning us collectively as the body of Christ, if your faith is just a private thing and not a corporate thing, you are likely going to miss out on a lot of stuff that God has for you. And that's true for all of us. No man's an island. No woman's an island unto themselves. We are the body of Christ, and God uses us to be a blessing to each other and to be a blessing to the world around us, all right? Let's, let's talk about four things that the laying on of hands is, is about. And there may be more here, but this, this will get us a good foundation in it. It's for the impartation of blessing, it's for the impartation or the recognition and ordination of, of leadership and, and ministers of the gospel, missionaries and things of that nature as well. It's an impartation that it's used as a, a, a vehicle of impartation for the baptism of the Spirit. We read some of that in some of the, the stuff that we went through with the, the Spirit baptism stuff. God also uses it for the impartation of spiritual gifts to other people. And laying on of hands is also used as an impartation for healing. For healing. We're going to look at several scriptures here. Let's, let's go to Genesis 48 first. I'm going to pull it up here. 48, 8 through 20. Let's see if we can pull that up real fast right here. What's impartation? Impartation is like to uh, transfer or to give. Or like, like if I have something, if I have just kind of an object lesson, if I have $20 and I give you $100, that's, that's a gift. And that's kind of an impartation. But in the mystical sense, it's like if I have something of spiritual or something like that, I can impart that to you. Kind of like to transfer kind of thing. Uh, maybe it may make a little bit more sense if we put some of this together. That's a good question. Thank you. All right, let's go to this story of Jacob. This is one of my favorite stories in the life of Jacob. And one, one day real soon, we're going to go through Jacob kind of like we did Jonah and we did... What's the last person we just went through? Y'all remember? Elijah. Elijah. Good. I was testing you. <laughs> it was Jacob, his life is absolutely fascinating. And it's pretty sordid too. Then Israel, or Jacob, saw Joseph's sons and said, Who are these? This is grand boys. And Joseph said to his father, Remember Joseph? Second to Pharaoh. That, that's Joseph there. They are my sons whom God has given me in this place. And he said, Please, Jacob said, Please bring them to me and I will bless them. And here's why he said, who are these? He said, the eyes of Israel were dim with age so that he could not see. Is there another story in Jacob's life about somebody who couldn't see real well? And he tricked them? Who was that? You remember that? That was his daddy, wasn't it? Isaac. So now he can, it's kind of neat how the, the, the storyline goes because Jacob is kind of revisiting a scenario almost. But he's the blesser now, and he's going to do it right this time. The last time, remember, he tricked, said he was Esau, put the goat hair on his arms and all that kind of thing. It's just interesting when you see those kind of things. It's like, oh, I've seen this before, you know. 
The eyes of Israel were dim with age so that he could not see. And then Joseph brought them near to him, his grandboys. And he kissed them and embraced them. And Israel said to Joseph, I had not thought to see your face. What, what happened there? There was a long separation between Joseph and Jacob. For what reason? Remember? Remember the, some of the story? Yeah, sold. sold into slavery, was in Potiphar's house. And then he was in Egypt for a long time. And, uh, you know, the last he heard about Joseph was... He was dead because the brothers kind of covered it up, brought the, the garment back full of uh, covered with blood, saying he's, he's dead. This is all we found. He must be dead. So he said, I didn't think I'd see your face again, but in fact, God has also shown me your offspring. So this is a real blessed moment in his life, you know. So Joseph brought them from beside his knees, brought them around, and he bowed down with his face to the earth. And Joseph took them both, Ephraim, this is his, his boys, Jacob's grandboys, Ephraim with his right hand toward Israel's left hand and Manasseh with his left hand toward Israel's right hand. So you see the boys approaching. Jacob seems to be in a kneeling position and he's got his hands out. Okay? And he brought them near him. Then Israel stretched out his right hand and laid it on Ephraim's head. And who was the younger and his left hand on Manasseh's head, guiding his hands knowingly, for Manasseh was the firstborn. And he blessed Joseph and said, God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who has fed me all my life, all my life long to this day, the angel who has redeemed me from all evil, bless these lads. Let my name be named upon them and the name of my fathers Abraham and Isaac. And let them grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. Now when Joseph saw that his father laid his right hand on the head of Ephraim, it displeased him. What, what's all that about? Well, in, the, in their tradition, the, the, the power of the blessing was transferred through the right hand. Where's Jesus seated? You just kind of know the biblical idea of it. Uh, we don't necessarily follow those traditions today per se in our culture, but in the biblical culture, it was if you laid hands on somebody. In fact, in, in the Middle East, if you shake somebody's hand with the left hand or something like that, it's considered an insult. You know, that kind of deal. Uh, it's just customary. The idea is that the eldest would get the larger blessing, right? That's kind of the custom, right? So what, what Jacob does is he crosses his hands like this. And he gives the greater blessing through the right hand to the younger son. Does that sound familiar? That's another one of these coincidences again, ain't it? That's what happened in his life, wasn't it? And it's like God always blesses the lesser, it seems. You know, so he, he blesses them. And, and it displeased Joseph because he was like, Oh, I know, Daddy, I know you, you're getting a little old and you can't see. Let's just switch these hands. Let's do this the right way. And it displeased Joseph, so he took hold of his father's hand to remove it from Ephraim's head to Manasseh's head. And Joseph said to his father, Not so, my father, for this one is the firstborn. Put your right hand on his head. But his father Jacob refused and said, I know, my son, I know. He also shall become a people, and he shall be great. But truly his younger brother shall be greater than he, and his descendants shall become a multitude of nations. So he blessed them that day saying, by you Israel will bless, saying, may God make you as Ephraim and as Manasseh. And thus he said Ephraim before Manasseh. Now that's a great story. There's a whole lot of content we could get there. We could talk about Ephraim and Manasseh, and they do become great. But the idea here is 
the blessing is transferred through the laying on of hands. Okay, that's, that's really important. You know, in, in, in scriptural days, it's, it's lots more, um, how can I say it? It's lots more respect giving, given to the Father's blessing than we do today. Today, young folks, just do whatever. If I want to do it, I'll do it. But there's a great emphasis. The greatest blessing you can have is God's blessing. And only second to that is the Father's blessing. And I mean a, a real father. Now, and, and you may need a father figure. Maybe your father's not around. But you, everybody that has the possibility of doing that should always seek the Father's blessing or their Father's blessing. That's a big, important thing. I, I, there's a few decisions that I've made in my life, like major life-changing decisions. I wish I would have sought my Father's blessing. I'd have made some different decisions. You know what I'm talking about? For our purposes, what we're talking about, God uses his people to transfer blessing through the laying on of hands. All right, let's go to this one right here. This is Jesus right here, Matthew 19. Matthew 19, Jesus is going to do this. It'll be a real familiar passage when you see it, probably. It says, Then little children were brought to Jesus, that he might put his hands on them and pray. But the disciples rebuked them, and Jesus said, Let the little children come to me, and do not forbid them, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. That's a, that's a great kingdom idea right there, to be like a little child, right? In verse 15, And Jesus laid his hands on them and departed from there. Now, I mean, there's, there's probably a multiplicity of ways you could impart blessing, but what I want you to see is that there is something to it, and spiritually and mystically, that you can impart blessing through the laying on of hands. Now, you shouldn't do it flippantly. You shouldn't do it just on a whim. You need to have good reason to do it, and love's a really good one. But I want you to see that. Can you see that? All right, so it's really important. Jesus did it, laid his hands on them and departed from there. Right, let's go to this second one right here. The idea of recognition and ordination of leadership. Let's see. Uh, I may just... When it comes to recognition and ordination of leaders, whether it be within a local body or whether it be for pastors and missionaries and things, the people that we send out, God chooses his leaders. Make no mistake about that. God chooses who, he, who works for him. <laughs> he does that through calling us, right? He calls us all by name, various ways, whatever. God chooses his leaders, but it's important that the body of Christ learns to recognize the leaders that God chooses. That's important, right? So if we come together in a meeting, what we may even call a business meeting or something, we're going to call a, a leader to, to head up our children or our youth or our music, or we're going to call a leader to become a deacon, or we're going to... We're going to call a leader to become our pastor. You know, we can do it through democratic vote, but that's not the way the Bible does it. The Bible is a group of believers that get together and with one mind, whether it be a leadership team or whether it be a body of believers, get together with one mind and they try to discern the best that they possibly can who is God's choice and then they recognize that and bring that authority into those people's Sphere of influence, you know what I'm talking about, that kind of thing. Let's look at this real quick. Numbers 27. I think this may be the only one I look at on this one because we got to we got to move on. Uh, Numbers 27, verse 18. Let's pull that up real quick. Numbers. I like this little deal. You can just pull it up real fast. 27:18. That what it says. All right. This is Moses and Joshua. Okay. The Lord said to Moses. Take Joshua, the son of Nun, with you, a man in whom is the Spirit, the Spirit of God, 
and lay your hand on him and set him before Eleazar the priest and before all the congregation and inaugurate him in their sight. We would say ordain him in the people's sight. Why is it important to do it in the people's sight? Why, why couldn't this just be done behind closed doors? Exactly. It, this is a communication of authority that is being transferred and given to, I mean, if Moses is going to sanction you, that's a pretty good reference, wouldn't you say? Especially with the people. He's been their faithful leader for the last 40 years, okay? Said it before, and inaugurate him in their sight. And you shall, this is interesting, you shall give some of your authority to him that all the congregation of the children of Israel may be obedient. They may follow this man. They listen to what he says right here. So when he imparts or he lays hands on Joshua, he is going to say before the people that he's going to share his authority. Okay. You ever had a boss that gave you a job but didn't give you the authority to do the job? Yeah, if you ever had a job, you've had that problem, hadn't you? How, how frustrating is that? Mm -hmm. That makes you want to lay hands on him. Never mind, that's another, that's another kind of laying on hands. That's, that's another one. Listen, he shall stand before Eleazar the priest who shall inquire before the Lord for him by the judgment of the Urim. At his word, the priest's word, they shall go out and at his word, they shall come in. He and all the children of Israel with him and all the congregation. So Moses did as the Lord commanded him. And I wish all of God's instructions were just that clear, don't you? I mean, that's, that's cool. Moses got this pinpoint instructions. So Moses did as the Lord commanded him. He took Joshua, set him before Eleazar the priest and before all the congregation, and he laid his hands on him and inaugurated him or set him in or ordained him or recognized him just as the Lord commanded by the hand of Moses. See, God uses this stuff right here. Now, I've got in your notes, you can follow them later. Uh, go, go look at some of it later, but we, we're going to be pressed for time. Uh, Acts 6, 1 through 7, remember, that's the story of the deacons. Remember, you were, they were to choose among them men who were, you know, strong in character, good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit. Remember the, the idea of deacons and the idea of servants. There was a problem with the serving of the tables with the widows. They're, just some things were falling through the cracks and some division and strife were coming into the body. So we, the apostles said, go choose you some men. Set them before us. And they set these men before the apostles. The apostles laid hands on them and commissioned them into the ministry. I just think that's real important to recognize that kind of deal. Uh, then Acts 13, 1 through 3. Uh, 1 Timothy 4, 14. That's Paul laying his hands on Timothy there, uh, at least referring to it. And then in 1 Timothy 5, 22, you got the little phrase there. It's, Paul told Timothy, do not lay hands on anyone hastily or suddenly. You know, because it takes time to recognize uh, the choice of God at times. You know what I'm saying? It takes a little bit of time. So you, this is not something you rush into. And uh, anybody, you, you kind of know, in, in maybe in the business world, you ever hired anybody and you may, you just, just were pressed and you needed to do something and you hired somebody and then you got them working there for a couple weeks and you're like, oh man. I probably shouldn't have done this. Anybody ever done it? Most of the time. <laughs> uh, I probably should have waited a little bit longer. You know? All right. And that's what Paul tells Timothy when it comes to church leadership. Be, be very careful who you put in leadership. That's important. Isn't it? It's real important. All right. Let's, let's go to the next one. Uh, baptism of the Spirit. It's for impartation of the baptism of the Spirit 
and of spiritual gifts. Now, you've got Acts 8, 14 through 17 here in your notes. Uh, that's at Samaria. Remember, they laid hands on them and they received the gift of the Holy Spirit. And Simon, who was the, the, the um, sorcerer, the kind of the magician kind of guy, he was there and he, he wanted the gifts because he said, I, I see through the laying on of hands that this gift is transmitted. Give me that gift. I want to give you money. I want to buy it from you. And that's when he got basically cursed by Peter in that deal. The point I want you to see is in that instance, the baptism of the Spirit was given through the laying on of hands. It's interesting because it just seems like maybe God would just do that on his own. But he uses people to do it. Then in Acts 9 is, is uh, Paul. Ananias lays hands on, at that time he was Saul, lays hands on him and he receives his sight. Wait, let's, let's go back. Let's go read that one. I want to read that one. Acts 9, is what's, what is it, 17 and 18? Acts 9, 17 and 18, because we got a couple things in here. And Ananias went his way and entered the house. Remember, he was reluctant to go to minister to Saul because he said, I, this guy's got a bad rep, rep man. He, he's, he's put a lot of my friends in jail, stuff like that, you know. I don't want to fool with him. And he agrees to go do what God told him to do. He went his way, entered the house, and laying his hands on Saul, or who's known as the Apostle Paul now, laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you came has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once, and he arose and was baptized. Now that's a fabulous story, and that's the whole road to Damascus experience and all the things that Paul went through. For our purposes tonight, I want you to see that Ananias, he's not an apostle necessarily. Uh, we're not sure any kind of leadership. He's, he's just a follower of Jesus. And, and he lays hands on Brother Saul, on Paul, and through the laying of hands, his eyes are healed immediately, and he receives the gift of the Holy Spirit. Hmm. That's pretty powerful stuff. I just think it's neat. It's, 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 it's more than neat. We, we need to learn to flow in the Spirit in that, that way. All right, let's see here. Where's my next one? All right. Acts 19, 1 through 7. I don't have time to read that, but that said Ephesus. We read that a couple weeks ago where there were about 12 people. Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed is where that question was asked. And then they led them to Jesus. Then they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. I do want to show you 2 Timothy 1, 6 and 7. 2 Timothy, we'll say 1, 6 and 7. Now listen to what Paul says. Talking to Timothy, who was kind of like his, his spiritual son in the faith. He says, I remind you, therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. See this idea of imparting spiritual gifts. This man imparted to Timothy the spiritual gift, whatever it might be. It's probably the gift of leadership or apostolic gift kind of, kind of thing. We're not sure, but what I want you to see for our purposes is through Paul's ministry to this man, through the laying on of hands, he received the gift of ministry and whatever he was using to minister to people. Now, could God just give that to you in prayer time when you're by yourself? Well, sure he can. But somehow he wants us connected. He wants us connected with people. He wants us accountable to people. And that's very humbling sometimes. 
but he uses Paul to bless Timothy's life. And right after that guy, he said, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power and a love and a sound mind. All right. Act of obedience, that's good. That's good. All right, let's, let's get to this fourth one here. Or did, I, did I skip one already? Am I, on, am I on track? Okay. I hate to rush through this, but, but you'll get the idea. And if we, we have studied some of these passages before. But I want you to see this for sure, for sure, for sure tonight. That God uses the laying on of hands to impart healing, to gift people with healing. Okay, and again, could God visit people in the hospital beds and heal them? Yeah, he does. He does that sometimes. But he wants to use people to be that conduit to get healing to other people. Let's go to Luke 4, verse 40 and 41. I want you to see the Lord doing this. Luke 4, 40 and 41. When the sun was setting... All those who had any that were sick with various diseases brought them to him, brought them to Jesus, and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. Hmm. Now we see Jesus ministering healing, healing in a multiplicity of ways. You know, sometimes he'll just send the word. You know, sometimes, uh, you know, one lady grabs him on the hem of his garment and she's healed. So there's another place he makes these mud pies and heals a guy's blindness, you know. A lot of times he just speaks forth and says, be healed, and, and something happens. But right here, Jesus went through the town and laid hands on every sick person they came in contact with. And he healed them. Hmm. I'd have loved to have seen him do that, wouldn't you? I mean, you talk about a revival breaking out in a, in a town, you know. And it says, also demons came out of many, crying out and saying, you are the Christ, the Son of God. And he rebuked them, did not allow them to speak, for they knew that... For they knew that he was the Christ. So this, this idea, I, I just want you to see that this is a practice that Jesus had. Laying hands on people, imparting healing to them. Okay, Various ways you can do it, but Jesus chose this avenue. And he's going to sanction it for the church as well. Uh, let's see, uh, Luke 13. Let's go to 13 verse 10. This is the master doing it again. He was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. He was in, in church, basically, what we would understand as church. And behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bent over and could in no way raise herself up. But when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said to her, Woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. So he spoke to her. It's like he spoke to her and it, 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 her, it, her, her faith arose to the moment, it seems like. He called her to him. He laid hands on her. Boom. Whatever's going on in her back was healed instantaneously. It's, it's a great miracle. You think it would have turned the church into a revival center. It basically made the rulers pretty upset in that kind of situation for some reason. I mean, they had a reason. We don't have time to get into it tonight. But that's kind of one of the Sabbath things they were talking about. Problems. But I want you to see Jesus doing that, ministering to people, healing in this nature. Now I want you to see the Apostle Paul doing it. Go, go over to Acts. Acts 28, 7 through 9. Remember the shipwreck that was at, at the end of the book of Acts? And uh, they, they, were on this, they got to this island uh, called Malta uh, right after that. 
and it says in that region of Malta, which Malta, if you got Italy, you got Sicily, and you got Malta, this just kind of below it, okay? Still there today. In that region, there was an estate of the leading citizen of the island whose name was Publius, who received us and entertained us courteously for three days. And it happened that the father of Publius lay sick of a fever and dysentery and stomach problems. Paul went into him and prayed and he laid his hands on him and healed him. Okay. Now, our, our, for our purposes, now we're talking about God using people to extend healing to them. Okay. Now, could God just have visited this man and done it a different way? I, certainly. He can sovereignly do what he wants, but it seems like he sovereignly wants to use his people to minister this to people. Now, look what happens here. After this man's healing, it says, So when this was done, the rest of those on the island who had diseases also came and were healed. <laughs> we could go on with the story, but I just want you to see God uses that. All right, now let's, let's go for this at the last. Okay, go over to James. James chapter 5, and let's start in verse number 13. Maybe you've heard this before. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Okay, going through a hard time? It means it's prayer time, right? Is anyone cheerful? You got, having a good time? That means it's singing time. So you're right on with that. Let him sing psalms. So, so I, you know, the praying and, and the singing of psalms, all that's really important. You know, from dealing with the bad times, how you deal with the good times. Well, let's sing praises to God. Now is another question. Is anyone among you sick? Anybody sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed any sins, he will or she will be forgiven. Okay, now let's unpack this just a little bit. There's a whole lot here, but, but let's, let's start right there in verse number 14. Is anyone sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. I want you to see something here. James, James is the head of the church in Jerusalem, okay? He's a very prominent man in the New Testament church. He's, he's the half-brother of Jesus, okay? Let him call for the elders of the church. Now, here's just an inference that, that James makes. James expects that every believer is somehow connected to a local church and knows the leadership, and the leadership's connected to them. You see the relationship right there? Now, unfortunately, in the American church, even in this region here, Bible Belt and all that kind of stuff, we've got a lot of folks that can't say that. They're not connected to a local body, right? In Bible days, that would just be unthinkable. That'd be like a baseball player telling you they played baseball and you went and said, so what team do you play for? I don't, I don't play for no team. I just, I just I play baseball. Well, what do you mean you play baseball? Who, who do you play for? Uh, I just play baseball. Now, how does that sound to you? That, that, that sounds kind of silly, doesn't it? Because we know that that's kind of a team sport. You, got, you need to be playing with somebody to do it. Well, well, being a part of the body of Christ is like that. God wants us connected, and he wants us united together in, in communication constantly. And he says that you need, every one of us, myself included, we need leadership over our lives. We need people that we can depend on and we can call on in times of need, especially to help. We need people that can lead us and guide us and direct us as well. That's important. It's just kind of an understood thing in the New Testament that if you're going to be a, a part 
you, you, you need a shepherd. You need, you need leadership in your life. Now, somebody said something earlier. That can be very humbling, can it? I think it's part of the purpose of it. You know, God wants you connected to Jesus with skin on him. <laughs> you know, and a lot of people say, well, you know, me and Jesus got a thing going. We, we're, we're good. And hey, nobody's saying they're not Christian necessarily. But to receive a lot of the blessings of the kingdom, you need to be connected to a local fellowship. It's, it's good for you. It's necessary, right? I know you know that, but, but, but we need to get the word out. A lot of people don't know that. Or they don't respond well to it. So let, let the sick person call for the elders of the church. So who, who makes the call to say, hey, hey, pastor or Deacon Paul, Deacon Jerry, I need, I need some help. Who, who makes that call according to this passage? Who makes that call? The person in need, right? Now, we, it's certainly not wrong for if, if a leader knows about the need to respond, but wonder why it would be worded that way. Why is it important for the person in need to reach out for help? Why is that important? They're accepting of it. It's a step of faith. And you're supposed to ask. Jesus said it very plainly, ask. So, so that, I think that's important to understand. And I can't tell you how much trouble I've gotten into with people who didn't call, who didn't say anything, but I guess they expect me to have a crystal ball and know that they're at home sick for the last three days. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> and, and I didn't call. But I have learned to kind of follow this myself, that if I'm not invited into somebody's business, Unless the Lord really directs me into it, I probably don't usually go. I, I try to now, because I've stuck my head in some hornet's nest and I don't, don't necessarily need to be there. <laughs> it wasn't time, you know, or, or whatever it might be. I just learned to really obey his promptings in that area. But I think it's really important to, that we hear that. And, and if you have somebody that you know of that, that's a part of our fellowship that's sick, you, you, tell them to call. Tell them to call. Because I've learned that it's a lot better when they reach out than when I reach in. It's just a lot better. It doesn't mean we don't ever intervene on our own. Sometimes we need to. But there's, there's just a balance here. And, and when, when the elders come, there, there's an expectation here that God has. That there is power resident in the leadership of the church. That they are, they are men and women who are praying. They're in contact with God. And they're full of faith and they believe Jesus can do whatever he needs to do. So when they call, it's not like calling somebody else. Okay? Now this doesn't negate any doctors or anything like that. But I just wonder how much more healing would be circulating among the body of Christ if we actually followed some of this. You know what I'm talking about? And let them pray over him. The elders are to pray over them. Anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. What's, what's the anointing with oil? What in the world is that? Well, that's kind of where the laying on of hand stuff comes in. What's the anointing of oil? What is, what is that? What is oil a symbol of in the scriptures? The Holy Spirit. It's a symbol of the Holy Spirit. Okay. Now, this is just kind of one of my practices, what I do. I, I carry them. I got it on both of my key rings. I carry just a little bit of oil. It's just consecrated, dedicated for that purpose. Just carry it with me all the time, just in case. 
I'm called upon and needed, that kind of deal. We've got it in the sanctuary there, right there in the altar. You may or may not know that, but there's a little vial of oil right there that's just dedicated for that purpose, for the anointing of oil and laying hands on the sick and believing God will recover, and God will heal them and they'll recover. Now again, who does the healing? The Lord does the healing, doesn't he? But who's the conduit? In this case, who's the conduit? The elders, the leadership of the church is the conduit to bring healing to somebody's life. Okay. And he says this, the prayer of faith, which it's expected that leaders know how to pray, not just pray, but pray the prayer of faith. You know, you, you know when somebody's praying out of compassion, that's a good thing. And we find a lot of comfort with that. But you also know the difference between somebody just praying out of compassion or somebody praying out of faith. There's a, big, there's a difference sometimes. Now, the person with faith has to have compassion with them. But sometimes people just sympathize with you and there's really no faith and there's no transference that happens right there. Now, this, is this a cure-all remedy? Well, I wish it was. But I believe it is one of the ways that God wants to use to get healing to his people. Amen. And the interesting thing, he says, the Lord will raise him up off that sickbed. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. That's just kind of an added bonus right there. Hmm. All right. Any questions about the laying on of hands? We'll close it down with this. Any questions? So how do you lay hands on somebody? Let, let me just address this for real quick. If you've been in, anybody been in church services where they literally pray for the sick and lay hands on them and that, that kind of thing? Been there? Done that? Okay. Used to, used to do it here. Yeah. The, uh, the idea of laying on of hands, now, you can do it several different ways. Okay. And, and I would say that, um, well, let me just say this. Come here, Sandy, I don't... Let, let's, let, let me practice. I, I, well, I, I didn't know if you wanted me to touch you. We're kind of in the we're kind of in a day where this is this is a challenge, actually. You know, in fact, I miss our times at the altar where we just call everybody up and just kind of stand around and pray together and all that kind of thing. But the Lord's going to turn that around soon. Okay. Now, here, here's a couple different ways we can lay hands on people. Okay. You, you ever seen this? Just give me your hands. You can, you can lay hands on them like this. You can do it real gently. You can do it real real nice and calm. Uh, you you can lay hands on people like this. You know, just, just laying hands very gently right there. And, and you've, seen, you've seen the guys probably on TV and all that kind of stuff where they, they're, they're shaking and baking, That's right? That's what I was saying. They're shaking gently, and waking. Yes. <laughs> you've seen all that kind of thing, okay? Here's where I am in, in this kind of thing. I'm, I'm not for all the pushing down and all that kind of stuff. I've always said it. I've said it my whole ministry. If somebody pushes you down in this church, you got a right to stand up and push them back. I'm serious. I don't like it kind of stuff. I think it's a bunch of shenanigans and there ain't no room for that in this kind of ministry, okay? Now, God overlooks a lot of our faults and a lot of our arrogance and a lot of our silliness at times and he still does miracles and stuff like that. But if God's going to heal them like that, he really don't need your two cents put in right there like that. You know what I'm talking about? But I will say this, that sometimes when the Holy Spirit does come upon you like that, there's an authority that comes that makes you a little bit more forceful than the normal time. So we've got to give a little grace for that idea as well, okay? But, but yeah, we, I, I say when, when you lay hands on somebody, you can lay hands here, you can lay hands just like this right here. 
I do it with my left hand because I'm left-handed. That's just my natural posture. For me to do it right-handed, I feel like I'm going to miss her. I don't know. I just, <laughs> but, you know, just laying hands, you know, anointing with oil. I usually just put it on the forehead right there. Now, here's, if you're going to lay hands on somebody, let, let's say it's the dysentery, like we talked, the stomach issue that's there. Uh, if it's my wife, I just will lay hands on her stomach. I lay hands on the body part or wherever it might be that, that she's, she's ill or need, needing a touch from God. Now, if you're ministering to somebody else, you always need to ask permission for that. You know, can, can, I, can I touch you on your shoulder? You know, that kind of thing. Uh, always ask permission. If you're praying for somebody other opposite sex, just maybe get their spouse to lay hands on them and you lay hand on top. Or maybe have them say, hey, you take your hand, place it on your shoulder and, and put your hand on top of the shoulder. Just be very careful with the, the interaction with, with the opposite sex. It's just always healthy for all of us. Okay? But... You know, all the stuff, it's not better. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I'm going to tell you an experience I had one time, and it, just, it, it really set me back, actually. He was a famous preacher. I'll leave his name out of it. And um, was at a, a, a meeting, crusade kind of thing, and he wanted to pray for all the, the pastors. And I, I really wasn't up on the guy, to be honest with you. He, he just kind of had a lot of demonstrative stuff, but God was using him in a lot of ways. So I... Long story short, I, I was designated to take a group of church people to go see him. I was working for my dad at the time, and he did the designating, okay? <laughs> and we went and saw this guy, and he wanted to, first off, he started the service out uh, wanting to pray for the, the, the pastors. And all the pastors stand up. So I was real reluctant. I, I kind of sit back in my seat, and, and uh, I just kind of like to observe and watch things, you know, a little bit. I'm, just, I'm very analytical. It's just where I'm made up. So I'm, I'm leaning back and watching and uh, he said, all the pastors, stand up. I want, I want you to come down here. I want to pray for you. And I'm just kind of laying back, and my 15 people I had with me, they're like, come on, pastor, come on, pastor, come on. It's, it's probably about seven, 800 people in this room. And all of them are standing up. Come on, get up there. Go, go, go. And I'm like, oh, man. So I just, and it, it, I just like to see how things are going to work because I, I don't lay hands on anybody suddenly, and I just don't let anybody lay hands on me for any old reason. I just, you know. Can't touch this. No, 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 no. You know, that, not unless I ask you to. That's, never mind. That's another deal. I, I came to the end, uh, end of the line. He, absolutely, he started on this end. There was probably 25 pastors, and it took a little while. And he'd come through, and he laid hands on everyone. And he was, a, he was a little guy. He was about this tall when he got to me. And I was the very last one. And he laid hands on me, and he hit me with, in the forehead with the butt of his hand. Like, he just went. Like that right there. And it knocked me backwards like that right there. And I caught myself. And I don't know why I'm this way. I want to be receptive. And I, I love the Lord with all my heart. And I want everything he's got for me. But I'm just, I'm, I've been around preachers all my life. And that's all I'll say about that. <laughs> but they, I just was, everybody else was falling out. And I'm like, you know, this, and, and I, I really wasn't feeling much. I don't, maybe it was me. Maybe it was me. But he hit me in the forehead like that right there, and it gave me an instant headache. I mean, he hit me hard. And I, went, I fell back like that right there. And I went down to my knee, and I said, Lord, help me, because I'm about to embarrass everybody in this whole church. I mean, I'm serious. I was praying just like that. And, and I got up from where I was, and I walked out, and I said, if any of y'all need me, I'll be in the back. And I was done. I really was done. I was highly offended by that. 
um, because it was just over the top and it was somebody trying to put on a show. And if I mentioned his name to you, you would probably know it. And God's used him in a lot of different ways. But in that moment, I, I, my belly was sour and I was done. And some people would say, well, the Holy Spirit, you quenched the Spirit, you fought it and all that kind of stuff. And they can say what they want to. I mean, that's fine. Everybody's got a right to their opinion. It, it seems they think so anyway. <laughs> but I walked out of there and every, I, th I think I upset some of the folks I was with. And they asked me what, what happened and all that kind of thing. And I, I told them, look, you don't have to work it up. You don't have to make it happen. And you don't push on people. And that's just the bottom line. Now, do people fall out in the spirit? Sure. They do that. All. People do that sometimes. That happens. And that's a real phenomenon. I don't know if you've ever experienced it or not. And I'm, not all of it's for real of the spirit. Some of it's people taking swan dives for the preacher. But some of it ain't. Now, you got to leave some room there. You know what I'm talking about? Because some of it can be for real. Because people in the Bible, they, when the Lord's presence came, they, they, they went out. They fell face down almost always in the Bible. That's a different story. But every time, I just want you to know that whenever I have a guest speaker or somebody I know that operates in the laying on the hands, all that kind of stuff, I always have that conversation with them. Don't push nobody here. And there will be no catchers. So if somebody falls, well, can you push them, you, their lawyer will call you. You just know it's, it's just going to have to be God. It's, I just want it to be that like, like that because there's a whole lot of room there for fleshly antics that have literally scarred the body of Christ in some ways that are really irreparable this side of heaven in some people's lives. You know what I'm talking about? So we, we embrace it, but we, we just want to make sure it's the Lord. And it's, and it's done the right way. There's a right way to do things. You know what I'm talking about? And I think for the most part... The Holy Spirit's a gentleman, I, I believe. He, he's, he's, he's gentle. He can, he can be quenched and he can be stopped, it seems, in his movement. So he's, he's not forceful. He's not trying to jam something down the body's throat. You know what I'm saying? He's not doing that all the time. Now, he can if he wants to. But that doesn't seem to be the way he operates. You know what I'm talking about? So I don't know if you have any stories. That, that may not even be necessary for me to tell that story. But I, I just really try to be careful with that kind of thing. You know, but I don't want us to lose faith in it just because some people abuse it. You know, somebody out there driving a car 100 miles an hour down 17, but it's not going to stop you from driving your car. We need to be that same way about these gifts and the way that some people do misuse them, but that don't mean we throw away the gift. You know what I'm talking about? We don't throw away the blessing to the body. All right. Any questions before we go? All right. And this can be done privately. It can be done just laying on of hands. You know, when it comes to healing, it can be done privately. Jesus did a lot of private stuff in, in people's homes and things like that. It doesn't have to always be done in front of the church. Don't get that in your head. Sometimes it can be done at Piggly Wiggly. You know what I'm talking about? You don't have to sling them into the peanut butter, but it, <laughs> you can do this. All right. All right let, let's ask the Lord to help us. Lord, help us. Uh, there's many blessings you've got coming our way. And, and you want us to receive. And Lord, there's going to be people that you reach out to and you commission to come to us and help us. And Lord, we pray that we'd be receptive. We wouldn't have a hardness of heart. And maybe we've had a bad experience, but pray we wouldn't let that hinder us from what you've got in store for us. We thank you, Lord, for this gift of laying on of hands and this practice. I pray you'd help us to practice it properly. 
And Lord, I pray that you would use that to be able to part blessing and power to people and healing to people's lives. We would love for you to set up just a kingdom outpost here, Lord, where your healing river could just flow out way beyond us. Help us, Lord. Teach us to pray the prayer of faith as you heal the sick. In the name of Jesus, amen. 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 amen.